a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expanding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, I got a chance to sit down with Max Egan. He is the mud flood and prehistory Tataria ancient civilization expert. I have been really wanting to have this conversation. So just like anything, guys, we get the best. We got Max Egan over here to talk about it, as well as he is incredibly passionate and very outspoken for human rights, as, as we all should be, right? But he more than most, and he's got some incredibly wonderful things that he's doing with this, which all of the ways to find him will be linked in the show notes. Please uh, check him out. But without any further ado, Max Egan. All right, everybody, uh, you may or may not have heard of the Great Mud Flood or Tataria, but we have the expert on to talk to us. Whenever we come at you with something like this, I want to get the best person in the field, and we have it today. So introducing to my audience, Max Egan. Max, how are you, buddy? I'm good, brother. Thanks for asking me on. Nice to be here having a chat to you. Man, you are awesome. I've seen tons of your movies. I will, of course, be linking all the ways to find you down in the show notes for my audience that doesn't know too much about you. Would you mind uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, musician, activist, sort of thrown onto this path out of necessity like everybody else. I mean, it isn't a sort of a path that you choose out of a career choice, but uh, it kind of needs to be done. So, yeah, I've, I've kind of lived on the outside of society most of my life, and um, it's given me kind of a unique perspective and i've traveled a lot and um it, it got to the time where you can't really sort of see all this stuff and not speak about it so here i am you know but um yeah just a regular guy really i mean nothing nothing special but just a, a musician so um like i said i've always lived pretty much on the outside of things because a musician is a kind of a weird lifestyle but um yeah i mean and here i am trying to make a difference like everybody else so what, what compels you to want to get this kind of information out there? Freedom. I mean, it needs to be done. It just needs to be done. You can't, you can't know this sort of stuff and not talk about it. When you see it and you see the significance of it and the importance of it and, and you see where we're going. I mean, the only way we can stop where we're going is through public awareness and people getting involved and, and getting active in their own lives and standing up for themselves. So... I mean, it's just a it's point of necessity. I mean, I've got a I've got a son. He's like twenty five now, and I owe it to him. I owe it to all the people who come after me to hopefully leave the world a little bit better than the way I found it. And that's certainly not happening at the moment. I mean, it just becomes a, a matter of necessity. You can't see this and not say something about it. If you if you're not speaking out about it, then you're part of the problem. And I, I can't do that. You know, could not agree so I guess more. It's man. a matter of conscience, really, more than anything. Yeah. Could not agree more. It's it's awesome. So what about, what was your catalyst into all of this in the first place? Because, you know, we're spun a certain narrative. We're indoctrinated as children. We get to a level where you start to look around and go, this looks like bullshit everywhere. What what was your turning point for you? When I was four, when I was four, we went into the forest and my, my mother um, showed me the forest up there. And I said to her, Let, let's come and live here. And she said, we can't. And I said, why not? Nobody else is living here. And this is so much better than down in town. Why are we living down there when all this is here, you know? And she said, well, we can't we can't live there because we don't own the land. And I went, own the land? What do you mean own the land, you know? She said, well, you've got to own the land. And I said, who owns the land? And she said, the government owns it. And I said, how did they get it? And she said, you'll understand when you get older. And I was I was blown out. I was walking around the yard with my teddy bear that afternoon saying, Teddy, the, the world's all fucked up. Uh, these people think they can own land. And I was asking my teddy bear to please tell God to pull me off this world and put me onto the proper world I was supposed to be on where people didn't think they could own land. And um, then I started looking at my parents, you know, my mum would be taking me out to, you know, 
meetings for the friends with coffee or whatever, you know. And I'd be sitting there and I started listening to their conversations and I'm thinking, these they're just talking about shit. They're just not talking about anything that, that's worth talking about, you know. I'm, I'm in a madhouse. I've been born into an insane asylum. And then when I was eight, my mother showed me an encyclopedia that had a picture of the pyramids in it. And when I saw the pyramids and she told me that no one knew how they were built, I went out into my sand pit and I got sand and I made a little sand pyramid and I thought that seems pretty simple. It's a pretty simple structure. Why wouldn't they know how to build it, you know? And then I started reading about them and I I got really fascinated by the pyramids and so I I put all the Batman comics down and and wanted to know how they built the pyramids. So that kind of started me off on my journey. And uh, I got fascinated by ancient history when I was about eight years old. And that's kind of led me down the rabbit hole. Now, ancient history, you go looking at that and you realize that, well, there's all this stuff lying all over the earth, which tells a completely different story than the one we're being told. Surely they can't have just missed all this stuff, you know? And if I can figure it out at like 10 years old, then, you know, surely they know what's going on. So, you know, you start thinking, well, it's, it's, they're covering it up for a reason. Why are they covering it up? And then, of course, that leads you into you know, the whole government cover-up thing, you know, and then you get into UFOs and ETs and the whole thing. You realise that everything's covered up. You know, nobody knows what's going on anywhere. And there is this huge, massive conspiracy going on behind the scenes. And I'd figured this out by the time I was about 12. And then uh, I got kicked out of all my high schools for arguing with my teachers and so I just, I just left school by the time I was about 16 years old and um, went out and became a musician and just lived on the outside of society because I thought this is a madhouse. I don't want to participate. So I found a way through it without actually having to participate in the world, you know. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what got me started on the journey. And then I stayed in that bubble as a musician for many, many years of my life. Until 9-11 happened and I, I realized that all this stuff I'd been researching was actually really important and people needed to have this information. And when 9-11 happened, I thought, wow, this is this is it. This is the big end game. They're going to start this huge war. This is It's all going to happen in my lifetime. You know, like I didn't think back then that what we're seeing now, I, I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime. I, I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it would be coming this quickly. So, um yeah, when, when 9-11 happened, it became necessary to speak out. So that's what I've been doing. I just put all the – let the music go, fall aside and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it was it was interesting because the music provided me a mechanism to be able to live outside of society and have all the free time I needed to be able to research all the stuff I wanted to research. And I got to travel everywhere, got paid to travel, did all this stuff. And um, it, everything my life – that I've done in my life, it all gave me the life skills that I need to do exactly what I'm doing now. But I didn't realize it at the time. You know, you build these skills up and you don't know what this skill set's really for. But with, a, with, with now with an activist, being an activist and going out and doing public speaking on stage and doing video editing and all the stuff that I do, all the training for that happened through my, my life as a musician and I just never realized it, you know. So, yeah, when uh, when this all happened, then the, then the universe took everything away from me and threw me onto this path. So I had no no real choice but to walk the path that I'm on now, which is the path I'm supposed to be walking. So it's it's been interesting how it's all sort of come together, you know? It is funny that you mentioned that uh, this is how things, that all of your skill sets have led up to this point. I've actually had a similar conversation with folks lately, uh, just a, quite a few, more more than normal, and that that's the general consensus, right? It seems like now is the time where, you know, you may have gotten an object or something earlier on in the journey, and now you need that thing more than ever. Uh, there there seems to be this great awakening that's going on with everybody right now, and you're seeing more and more of it, which is great. It's nice to see the pendulum kind of swing in more of a positive, uh, kind of we are one kind of light. I don't care if it's trendy or not. People are still paying heed and homage to it, which is great. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on what is happening globally now? I mean, what are these skills that you led up to? have to do with what's going on right now and where do you think our next step is as a society well like the skills that i picked up like the skill of like just being on stage and and um not 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 having any stage fright or anything when i was up there as a guitar player for years so now i'm able to get up there as a public speaker i've got no problem being in front of audiences i can speak to a thousand people not a problem you know so um 
there's that sort of a stuff and and um the the um the creativity the artistic nature of my lifestyle it gives me the ability to be able to create videos that are sort of re- reasonably pleasing to the eye for people to be able to look at and graphics and stuff like that so you know, just things that i never never really knew you know what I could do with this, but you know it, it all comes together. And what, what's happening now? I mean, it's consolidation of the of the uh, control grid. They're they're bringing in basically worldwide communism, worldwide totalitarianism, whatever you can call it, socialism, communism, totalitarianism. Roll it all into one. You know, in their new ismism, whatever it is. But uh, massive control and a complete loss of human rights in all of our countries, because we're not. Um, we're not aware of what we are is the problem. You know, people, people have given their power away, given their authority away to, to people who are supposed to be in positions of trust, managing our infrastructure for us in a responsible manner. And they've abused that power and they're locking us all down into this complete slavery system under the guise of protecting us from a pandemic, which doesn't exist. There is no pandemic. You know, the pandemic is human stupidity and government corruption and, and media propaganda. They're the pan- pandemics that we're really suffering. The media has just really gone on to the next level through this. They're just complete failure to present any type of real news or any type of unbiased reporting. You know, totally one-sided. It's uh, it's been disgusting to see. But we're in a we're on a knife edge at the moment. We're in a really really dangerous position. And if people do not rise up and push back this year, we're going to be moving into a pretty dystopian future, and it's going to be extremely difficult to extricate ourselves from it, for future generations to be able to extricate themselves from it, because you're going to have no reference point of what freedom actually looks like, because it's fast disappearing. And you know, a lot of the old people are dying through COVID, of course. You know, That's why they want to give the jabs to all the old people, get rid of all the old people, so there's no memory of what the world was actually like. Yeah, no wisdom. For these yeah, get rid of all of that. So, you know, it's uh it's a really, really pivotal point and it's a really, really important time and people have to stand up and get active right now. They really do. If they care about their future or their children's future, they've got to get active right now because the window is swinging shut and this is the last opportunity we have to establish freedom. So it's been extremely important. That's why I've put so much focus on this in the last 18 months. I mean, I haven't talked about virtually anything else except COVID and, and what's been going on in the world because it's just so important. I mean, this is the end game. This is it. And uh, I've wanted to do shows about history and, and all of that sort of stuff, but I've kind of felt guilty. I mean, the, the people who are controlling the world don't lose focus on what they're doing. And as, as much as I want to talk about, you know, the pyramids and, and history and, and try to find out what actually happened. And I mean, I find it all fascinating and I, I love the topic, but um with what we're facing, I mean, it, it's it's hard to sit there admiring the waterfall when there's a flood coming from behind you that's going to wipe you away. You know, you've kind of got to pay attention and get a little bit of focus on the flood. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a hard hard eighteen months. But um, I mean, a lot of people are rising up. A lot of people are pushing back. A lot of people are seeing it. But the more they do, the more brutal things get. We just had. I was just watching video before of the police pepper spraying a 12-year-old for not wearing a mask and you know, with the parents there and there's a 12-year-old girl and uh, just disgraceful stuff that these these cops are doing and uh, just to push the brutality on the people to, to make it as brutal as they can and, and get it on camera so people will be scared to stand up in their own communities, you know. So it's it's really going to the next level. If they're, gonna, they're prepared to do that, you know, against pensioners and, and children, well, you know, it's uh, it's basically a declaration of war against the people. And that's the situation that we're in. So, you know, people have got to rise up. They've got to push back. They've got to stand up before we lose our wealth completely. You know, and I do want to talk to you about Tataria and stuff like that, but let's spend some time on this, man, because I can hear how passionate you are about it. And I, I really want to make sure that you feel like your time is being spent valuably here. So I I, I tell you what, man, um, it sounds a little bit like what, what you want to do with history and stuff is more of a like a leisure thing. It's more of like something that you have a, a heart for and you really want to do that. But this what's going on now is more important to you to get the message out. So therefore, you've sacrificed that which you choose to research over what you feel that you must research to 
to get out the word. And so it's almost like you, it's a self-sacrifice. You're sacrificing what you'd rather do to do the more important thing for humanity. And I find that very noble, man. I think that's really cool. Well, they're both, they're both important though is the thing. I mean, to, we've got to understand our history to know how we got here because you know, we, if, if we don't understand where we came from, how do we ever understand where we're going? The thing is when you start looking at Tartaria and you start looking at the mud flood and you start looking at the, what we actually had, it's profound because, I mean, we had incredible artistic um, creative societies with free energy and, and it was in a world of abundance where we all got along fine with each other. We saw we had different cultures and different creeds and different races, but there wasn't any of this animosity. There wasn't this feudal culture that we're told was there. You know, we've been taught this history, which teaches us we've always been at war for thousands of years. We've been vying with each other for power and energy and all this sort of, it's all bullshit. It's all complete rubbish. Yeah. And when you realize that what we actually had and what we've been led into now and where we've been led into from this, it's kind of freaky. I mean, it's, it's really freaky to see, you know, how free we actually were and how completely enslaved we are now. And, you know, the, it's important to understand history and it's important to know where we're going, but by the same token, it's important to, to keep focus on, on the fact that there's a clear and present danger that needs addressing right now. And if we don't address that, and we, if we don't, if we don't deal with this situation, this is something that I was saying to people a couple of years ago, all the people arguing over the shape of the earth or arguing over you know, history and all of this sort of stuff. I'm saying, listen, in a couple of years from now, the internet is going to be so censored that you're not even going to have a chance to research the stuff you want to research. You're not even going to be able to look into Tartaria or the mud flood or history or any of the stuff you want to research because you're not going to have access to the internet because you didn't pay attention to what was happening right around you while you were doing all this stuff. You know, I, I used to use the analogy, I'd say there's a, there's a train coming. And if you people don't stop arguing about the shape of the tracks, the train's going to hit you. And when it comes, it will. there will be no warning. It will be sudden, and you will have no one to blame but yourselves. And that train hit us when COVID came out last year. That train is now here. We're at the station. And, and there's been no warning. It's sudden. And with what they're doing with Cyber Polygon, soon they're going to shut most of the internet down. They're going to shut most of the communication down. Going to need biometric scanning to even get online. So how are you going to research all this stuff? How are you going to research ancient history? How are you going to research any of the stuff you want to research and go down any of the rabbit holes you want to go down because you didn't pay attention to what's happening around you right now? It's important to pay attention to your surroundings. That's what I've been trying to say to people, you know? So as much as I want to do that, sure, I mean, I can do it. I could sit there and I could research history for the next six months, next year, but then I won't have the internet to be able to research history because I didn't pay attention. You know what I'm saying? So that's the problem that we face. I mean, with what they're going to do with Cyber Polygon and, and the biometrics they want to bring in, because that's the plan. They want biometric scanning for everything. So they've been sort of conditioning people with, you know, your fingerprint scan or your retinal scan or your facial scan to sign into your laptop, all this sort of crap. They're trying to condition people to do this. When they shut the net down, I mean, they, and they've been priming us now, saying, oh, the BBC was hacked and the pipeline in the United States was hacked and we've got banks over here being hacked and it's the hackers, it's the hackers. Oh, my God, the hackers, you know. But of course, hackers can do that. You, you can't run a, a beef industry without a laptop, of course, you know. So, you know, this is the, the way they, they program it. So the hackers do all this terrible stuff. So, of course, when the, when the things shut down and the infrastructure shuts down and we have all these terrible catastrophes and the, the food industry goes down or the transport industry or whatever, you know, they'll blame the hackers. And they'll say, well, of course, we're going to have to have biometric scanning so that we know everybody who's getting online to protect us from the hackers, you know. And people go along with it. Oh, why don't you want to have your biometric scan? What do you got to hide, you know? That whole same scenario that they, they push out there. So, you know, when, once that happens... And I sign online as, as Max Egan. Well, my biometrics is going to be linked up to every single thing I've ever done online, you know, back to your MySpace pages and all, it's all still there. Everything is all still there. Everything you've ever done online is still there. Once they get your biometrics in there and they've got you biometrically identified, everything you've been doing online for the last 20 years, it's all going to come 
it's all going to be there on your on your file, so they'll know exactly who you are. They'll know who the dissidents are. They'll know who the the operatives are or whatever. Yeah, so be able to get rid of all these people, move them all over there, put them into the, the concentration camps that they're building, which are quarantine camps, of course, not concentration camps, quarantine, just to keep us safe, you know. So you can see how they're how they're going with this, and you can see where it's going. So there is a clear and present danger, and if we don't if we don't deal with this, uh, we're not going to be able to research history. We're not going to be able to research anything, and all of that stuff that's come out now, you, the the kids that are coming up won't have any concept of it because there won't be anybody here that can present them the information because most people were so focused on their tunnel vision and going down these rabbit holes and looking for all this stuff that they never paid attention to their surroundings you know i mean and it, it does that to you it, it sucks you in it gets you really fascinated and, and you you get tunnel vision and you're not noticing what's going on around you I and mean, i get like that when i get really involved in history I don't notice anything else. I'm just I'm just looking down this rabbit hole and, and finding out all this fascinating stuff, which is great and it's great to know and it's great to find out. But like I said, there's a clear and present danger and we've got to deal with that. And a lot of this stuff is just red herrings to, to lead you away from that, lead you away from that focus that you should have. And just look over here. It's all interesting, pretty colors, bright lights, whatever, you know, interesting. Don't look, don't look there. There's this wall that's being built around you while you've got your head down this, this rabbit hole looking into your laptop. There's a, there's a prison wall being built around you and you're not noticing it. You know, we need to, we need to notice that wall, I think. Great point. Great point. Absolutely. So I'm, I am interested, though, in what you said about the camps, because we've we've heard about these camps. Uh, what do you how do you what do you think the steps of how this is playing out? What what's the next thing that we can expect beyond the biometrics? Because in my mind, if, it, if a hacker is a hacker, they're going to figure out a way around whatever institution they have managed to come up with to keep under the guise of keeping them out, which would probably be just another psyop to track everybody. Right. It's not yeah. for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. They're their own hackers, mate. The CIA are the hackers. I mean, you know, they, they do it all themselves, you know. But um, what they're doing with these camps, they're building quarantine camps around Australia and they're building quarantine camps in Canada. You've already got FEM camps all through the United States. Um, they're rolling out now. They're saying yeah, we're, we're going to have a segregated society and, and a di discriminating against people. But they're saying, oh, it won't be discrimination because these people are choosing not to get vaccinated. So it's not discrimination. It's their choice. You know? And that's what it'll be. They're, they're going to say, well, because they're talking about rolling out the military here in Australia because the vaccine rollout has been so bungled. The government bungled the vaccine rollout which is why only 4% of Australians have had the vaccine. No, it's because nobody wants the vaccine. Yeah, exactly. They haven't bungled the rollout, <laughs> you know. So the military is going to roll this out. And what they're going to do is they're going to say people who don't have the vaccine must go into quarantine, probably is what they'll do. And then they'll put you in these quarantine camps. They'll take you off and put you in these concentration camps. And um, of course, because you're infected, you, you may be in, you may be dangerous. You know, we don't want you escaping from the quarantine camps. So we really, we better put guard towers around the quarantine camps. And of course, because it's infectious diseases, we, we maybe we better put a crematorium there so we'll have ovens there as well. So you've got the, a beautiful little death camp. You know what I mean? And this is the way they can do it. And and all the population out there will say, oh, they're the anti-vaxxers. They're the wackos, the nut jobs, you know, who think that it's a government conspiracy. We need to, these people are dangerous, dangerous misinformation. And, you know, they deserve what they get. I mean, you can imagine the public will just let it happen, you know, and that will happen in all of our countries. And um, once people start dying from the vaccines, which they're going to start, happening soon you know as we're coming into winter and the seasons change you're going to have people start to have uh, bad immune responses to these vaccines and that's when we shut the net down so that we don't have the communication to be able to tell each other what's going on how many people are dying and of course i'll say there's a new wave or whatever and it's the unvaccinated people that are doing it so we've got to get these people and put them in the camps you know put them in the quarantine camps to keep the rest of you safe you know and uh, the people out there will just believe it. They'll believe the government is protecting them and that we're all wackos and nuts and anti-vaxxers and all the shit that they do. So that's the next step. But they're talking about doing that around about um, end of July or August, I would expect. Even by the end of August, I would, I would not be surprised if we're in full-blown martial law 
in this country with military out on the street and and people not out not able to travel anywhere and checkpoints and you know the whole world turning into Gaza Strip basically, which I've said for years. If we don't deal with the the moral dilemma of Palestine, then the way of Palestine will be the way of the world. And what you see in Palestine is a system of warehousing and surplusing human beings, and that's exactly what we're seeing in our Western countries now. And that, that's the model that they're basing it all on. So just look at Gaza and West Bank, and uh, that's that's where we're going, yeah. Well, with with the understanding that all of this stuff is being rolled down, there is definitely a nefarious action going on here. It, it, do you leave open the possibility that this stuff is just to scare us and to get us scared and that there's some sort of energy farm here that's just farming basically our energy, or I've heard it referred to as louche, and therefore, this isn't actually going to roll out. It's just something that you're being scared by. And therefore, you provide energy to a system to keep feeding the system to keep scaring you. Or do you think that this is it? Do you think that this is an actual, this is the next thing that's happening? I think it's the next thing that's happening. I mean, the whole concept of harvesting loose energy and stuff, I mean, yeah, but um, they are building these camps. They are building huge quarantine camps everywhere. The military here in Australia is currently conducting um, war games or strategic scenarios, and uh, they're planning on um, coordinating with the states on Tuesday next week to be able to begin their vaccine rollout. So this is happening. It's, it's happening. It's not just to get us freaked out. It's happening. Um, it. it it's going to come to people and, and sure there's going to be people that succumb to that, that fear um, or there's going to be people who simply choose to face infinity without flinching, which is what I'll be doing. Um, no stake in the outcome. I mean, this is ultimately, this is a soul harvest more than anything. They're leading us into the mainframe. And when you look at what's in these um, injections, the hydrogel, I mean, I even speculate some of the people who've died from the vaccines, I even wonder whether they've just died or whether their their souls and consciousness have left their body, whether they even know they've died. Perhaps they're in the mainframe now. I just, I just speculate on that. I don't know. It's kind of esoteric. But um, with the hydrogel they're putting in the bodies and what, what is actually in these vaccines, the graphene and the magnetism that people are uh, – um, happening with so many people are magnetic now. Yeah, or they put their phone up to it and it'll scan. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. People, it is. You know, people are getting some high frequencies and, and spoons sticking to their foreheads. And, yeah, and all over, know? right? They say like third eye and there's like crystalline in your pineal gland. I've heard these kind of things. But there was a veterinarian. Now, we, of course, these are just videos. And we have to throw this disclaimer out there that they could be fakes, whatever. But it's an interesting idea. There was this veterinarian who got the shot. And I wanted to ask you about this as well while we're on this vein. So she got the shot and she was holding up the little microchip. You know how you can put a microchip in a dog if you lose it? They could scan it to find out if it's your dog or where it belongs or whatever. Anyway, so she put it up to this arm, nothing. She put it up to this arm and it read out like a 20-digit number. And then she did it again and then did it again. So the little dog finder, which is probably just like an RFID locator, right? They're pretty common. Then that has something to do with the injection site as well. I've seen on videos. So I was curious as well... To that point, so do you think that uh, the jab or whatever is kind of the next phase or the rollout? Do you think that it's to depopulate those that get it or to immunize them better against the next thing that comes for the people like you and I who don't get it? No, no, I think it's it's about um, hooking them up to the mainframe. It's about, it's about modifying us into human 2.0. And a lot of people will reject it and they'll die, but those who don't will be taken into the mainframe when, when you start looking at things such as the the work of of uh, charles morgan dr charles morgan who talks about how you can replace people's memories you can drive people the possession experiment um they've done a lot of work on this all you got to do is get this substance into people and you can basically remotely control them you can replace their thoughts and memories you know you end up with a, a human race of just Plato, just human play-doh most of the people will die off but those that are left will be completely manipulable i mean you can do whatever you want with these people train them to do think this way or do this way work this way obedient little drone workers you know, there's all sorts of possibilities with this. So that's what I think it's about. It's a mass cull. They're expecting like about three quarters of their world population to die. But the ones that remain will be completely controlled. That That's what I think they're doing with it. Hmm. 
And it's been this plan that's been going on forever because I've seen the FEMA camps or the concentration, whatever you want to call them. I've seen videos, you know, like Alex Jones did a, did a bunch and stuff like that. And all the barbed wire is facing in, you know, so it's to keep people from getting out, not from getting in. And then all those, of course, stacked coffins that can hold like three bodies or something like that. And we've I've seen that. And it's it is interesting. It is something that, of course, is on the radar whenever it comes to conspiracy theories. You have to think about these camps at the and, you know, yeah, now maybe the uh, why they were built. You know, the reason that they were created in the first place is for what's going on right now. Um, <clears throat> oh, for sure. Well, uh, then I tell you what, man. Uh, let's do let's do just a little bit of mud flood and Tataria stuff, and then let's um, come back in because I've got a final question for you after all of that about what we just talked about. All good, brother. All good. Me go any way you want. All right. So I have been fascinated by the mud flood and Tataria for a long time. Do you mind just for the audience that doesn't know, just tell us about it, man? Just tell us about it. Well. There's evidence of a, a um, worldwide civilization that existed on this earth that existed up until probably around about 200 years ago, just over 200 years ago, and it's a, it's a worldwide culture. Um, you know, the thing about history, you go looking around the world, and I've, I've gone and traveled all over the world, gone to ancient sites to try to get the ancient information about the ancient stuff, and you never realize that it's, it's right here. It's right here in Sydney, in Brisbane, and Adelaide, and it's it's in Seattle, it's in San Francisco. You don't need to go to Egypt to look at the pyramids. You've just got to go and look at your own cities, and you're going to find that there's certain buildings there with certain architectural qualities which are completely different to what else you ever everything else you see in your city and you think oh that's just the old way they did things but when you start looking a little deeper you will know it's not just the old way they did things it's actually a previous culture that existed here and the interesting thing is like the the giveaway is government buildings and churches government buildings all have the big pillars out the front they've got the little triangle tops on them they've got certain gargoyles and and things that are there these are in all countries why would you have these same buildings in the philippines as what you've got in greece as what you've got in japan as what you've got in in even in china in in countries where you wouldn't expect to see these types of buildings you've got the same roman greco style which we're told is roman greco these buildings these are not roman greco these are tartarian buildings and what you realize is that there, there was an ancient culture that existed on this earth and about 200 years ago it got wiped out from however it happened something happened we're calling the mud flood for want of a better word and what we're finding is that there's buildings all through the world right through europe we found them the first ones we found were in europe and we realized that it was in happening in Russia and then it was all the way down to Italy. So there appeared to have been some sort of mud flood that went across Italy where you've got an entire level which is buried beneath the ground. Like when I was in Holland, they were digging out this building in Holland to put in new foundations and they found a whole whole rooms and, and bedrooms and windows and doorways and everything down below the ground what's that doing there it's not just a basement you know and they're finding this is in so many places there's a whole about 12 feet of stuff that's covered and then they just put in new roads and put in new doorways and pretended that there was nothing below the ground and it's the same in seattle it's the same in san francisco it's the same in sydney it's the same in melbourne it's the same in right across europe so what happened why is this not in our history books how is there some sort of an event which buried at least 12 feet of civilization and there's nothing in our history books to talk about this what's what's going on you know so that was fascinating in itself when we sort of found that out and then you start looking at the architecture and you realize that you know, this is the same architecture. It, it isn't just built the same way. It's the same architecture built by the same people. You know, there's certain things. There's little little um, nubs on some of the buildings, these little protrusions, and there's certain things that are built in certain ways that you go, well, hang on, that's that's the same as what I'm seeing here, here in, in, in Greece. This is the same as what I'm seeing in, in Saksewaman in Peru, and it's the same as what I'm seeing in, in London, and it's the same as what I'm seeing in Sydney, and it's the same as what I'm seeing in San Francisco. What are these little details doing here if this wasn't built by the same culture? So there's all sorts of evidence that this was all built by the same culture. It was a worldwide culture that existed on this earth. And you, you'll find maps. I mean, there's so many maps that, that 
showed Tartaria, which is virtually um, most of the European continent was Tartaria. And you'll find that the maps change as well. So if you look at the color coding, you know, different, different nations have different colors and you know that that's all part of the same sort of culture. You'll find there's certain areas where um, most of Europe, most of North and South America, uh, the Philippines, uh, Australia, all these places were part of Tartaria. And then something happened. Something happened. The culture was wiped out. Uh, the earth was flooded by, by some sort of a layer of, of mud, some sort of a layer of soil. And then they repopulated the world with children around about 1880. And they taught them whatever history they wanted to teach them. And all we've got to do is look up orphan trains and look up foundling homes. And the stuff that happened around circa 1880, you'll find that there was 300,000 children sent from east to west across the United States. They were raffling back babies in 1915 they were having baby raffles so around about 1880 to about 1920 they repopulated the world with children hundreds and hundreds of thousands of children where did they have come from just foundlings they're finding children wandering all around the place finding children around europe and stuff where did they come from you look at the eight million children that go missing this year now where do they all go something that i often speculate is the um is the underground bases that we know are there, the, the deep military underground bases. And you look at the timeline we're given for the Industrial Revolution, you know, 150, 200 years ago, we're supposed to have this big Industrial Revolution, invented the steam engine, all sorts of bullshit that they tell us, and suddenly we were able to do all this incredible stuff, you know. Well, do people really believe that those deep underground bases were constructed during that time? In the last 200 years, we've had the technology and the know-how and the manpower to be able to build those huge, huge underground bases. And even, even not even the underground bases, look at the sewer system in San Francisco. Incredible sewer system, multi-level, huge brickworks and tunnels. And when was that built? Who built that? Well, when the, when, the, when the wagon trains came out and populated California in the gold rush and all that sort of shit, running out there to claim your land. Yeah, yeah, we're building this shantytown San Francisco. We just thought we'd build this mega sewer system beneath the ground because <laughs> we're going to need it in the future, you know? It's a great Who built point. that? Who built yeah. that? It wasn't built by this culture, you know? Well, you got aqueducts across the country in, in Arizona. Where'd they come from? These, those European-style aqueducts. And they say they, they built them to bring water to the Indians. What, they were wiping the Indians out? Why were they bringing them water, you know? So none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. But you look at the underground bases and you think, well, where did the children come from? Did they come from the underground bases? Is that where all the children go when they're disappearing? An interesting thing is when you go to Germany, go to Europe, and you, you the story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, when the Pied Piper came, he took the children, and he took them into a cave, remember? You go to Hamelin in Germany, and they tell you that that's based on a real story. There was a time a few hundred years ago when all the children were stolen, and it wasn't just Hamelin. It was everywhere, right across Europe, all the children were stolen. Is that what happened? They steal the children, they flood the world, and then they repopulate the world with children, tell them there's just been an industrial revolution, and teach them whatever history they want to teach them. And that appears to be what happened. And that's as, as, as recently as 200 to 250 years ago. And it's a bitter pill to swallow. It's a hard thing to get your head around, especially for someone like me who's spent most of my life as a historian and wanted to find out what went on with history. And then suddenly I realized that, hang on, the timeline's a lie. The timeline's wrong. They've inserted a thousand years in there, the dark ages. They just created the dark ages to push everything back in time and tell us that all this stuff that was kind of recent actually happened thousands of years ago when it didn't. It only happened hundreds of years ago. And that's kind of a bitter pill to swallow. You know, but like, like Napoleon said, history is a lie agreed upon. And it's it's fabricated. The whole whole of our history has been fabricated. And um, you, it's, it's a difficult topic because so many people will pull out their academic books and I want to show you all this stuff, but it's, it's just what's written in the books. But you look around you, look at what your eyes are telling you. Your eyes are telling you something completely different to what's written in the book. So what should you believe? You know, it's the, it's the power of the written word is, is the thing. It's a spell, you know, um, it's just something I mentioned way back in one of my first films, how, you know, we, we, the power of the written word, we, we read what's in the book and we think it's true because it's written down. It just has this power over us, but it's, it's different to what our eyes, eyes are seeing. So 
there's a very different culture here, brother. There was a very, very different culture that existed on this earth. And when you realize that and you realize how we all got along together and what causes all the animosity and problems and wars and stuff in the world today, it's our, our pursuit of energy, you know, our resources. We need resources. It's why we attack other countries. If we had free energy, we wouldn't be doing any of this. If we had free energy, we'd be free to pursue artistic pursuits. Look at some of the buildings and some of the incredible stuff that we had from the past. You wouldn't be building those sorts of buildings if you're enslaved to a monetary system the way we are now. You just wouldn't have the time or, or the, the want or the need to do it. But when you're in that state where you, you just want to create something beautiful, you know, we're, we're in a world now where we don't see beauty as being something useful. It's not functional doesn't serve a purpose well hang on it does it makes me feel good when i look at it it makes me feel great when i look at this stuff when i look at these buildings why build something that's just going to be there to shelter you when you could make it incredible and make it beautiful make it into a work of art and you'd want to do that you'd want to pursue those sorts of things because you'd want to be all you can be you know and people would enjoy it you know, I want to build this thing. And, and then someone comes along and helps me and he's got ideas. Now we'll build something even more incredible because he's got ideas I never thought of, you know, and I've got ideas he never thought of. So people would say, well, how will we get anything done if there was no money, if there was no, you know, well, no, people would do it because they want to do it because that's what humans are. We're creative, expressive things. You know, we want to create, we want beauty. We want to help each other. People are cooperative. The only reason they're not cooperative is because they're kept in a, an artificial state of scarcity through this financial system, which has all been imposed on us in the last couple of hundred years. It wasn't anything like this a couple of hundred years ago. It was a completely different world. And uh, it's very difficult for people to get their head around that and, and realize that's the truth, but it is the truth. You know, history is a, is a complete lie. And, um, the evidence of that is is everywhere, all around the world. Even here in Australia, we've got old buildings here in Australia. There's no way they were built by the convicts. No way they were built by, yeah. I mean, even when you look at the things of the the um, Victoria markets in Sydney, incredible building, you know, copper domes, and you know, unlike any other architecture in this country, there's no way that was built by this culture that was already here. And when you look at Australia, it was supposed to be populated by convicts. They brought convicts out here in 1776. Or 70, yeah, 1776, 1778. So what were these convicts? They were, they were hell stonemasons. They, as soon as the convicts arrived, they built a quarry, as you do, and then they built a, a, a they used the machinery that they brought out on the on the first fleet, of course, to dig yeah. the quarry. Yeah. And then they built a brick factory so that they could make these incredible bricks so they could build all this incredible Gothic European architecture through Sydney, as you do when you're colonizing a country, killing all the Aboriginals, you know? It's a joke. It's a complete joke. None of it makes any sense at all. You know, these buildings were still here and there's a layer below ground in all of our countries that people don't realize is there. And it's, it's another culture that existed below the ground, you know. And this is one of the things I find so interesting about this, not only the concept and not only all the pictures I've seen of, you know, these people digging down, like you described, with whole other floors and buildings. And we know... You know, ancient cities like in Baalbek, you know, that was built on the foundation of an old ancient civilization that had already had a, a monolith there. But they, then they built on top of that. But this looks totally different. This looks like, yeah, it was a structure there before. The mud comes in, floods the first floor or two. And then they just go, oh, OK. And then they wall it all off, make a door right there and then continue on with life. It's part of the yeah. same building. That's what's insane That's what about done. it. That's what they've done. It's incredible. And they've just put new floors and new doorways and new roads paved over it all and pretended there was nothing down there. This is fascinating. And what's interesting about this idea as well, of course, because history is written by the victors, right? So you only generally mm. get one side of the story whenever you're talking about things like this. So with this, do you think that this is an ancient kingdom that was either ignored or purposely hidden by historians? Um, purposely hidden, definitely purposely hidden, probably by, uh, when you, when you look at historians, I mean, it all comes from the Vatican. They didn't have a lot of people writing a hundred years ago. And when you look at history, history is, is basically, um, Joseph Scaliger's version of history is what we've got. Uh, the Scaligerian version. I mean, the Pope, uh, commissioned Joseph Scaliger and another guy 
and they basically compiled everything, a, 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 you know, a timeline that was was believable. And I actually had to get him to change it and take things out and, and make it a little bit vaguer than what he made it because, you know, he was saying things like, you know, Caesar made this decision at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday, you know. Well, hang on, how do you know he made it at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday? Let's just say he made it in, you know, 12.06, you know, yeah, yeah. or whatever, you know. So um, that's that's the sort of stuff they had to do. And, and um, it was just this compiled version of history that was given to the Pope and the Pope approved it and that's what they put out there and that's what they teach everybody, you know, this whole Roman feudal version of history. And it's it's rubbish. There's nothing to prove any of it, you know. You know, because the idea of Tataria, especially if it was hidden or suppressed, then that would lend to the breakaway civilization that's talked about, uh, you know, with high advanced technologies and things like that. There's been stories of something like that, and that could be what had happened as a result of this. It's completely plausible that maybe a breakaway civilization or somebody nefarious got in after whatever catastrophe. The survivors who happen to probably go down to some underground military bases, we've got a ton. I know you guys do as well. Uh, for the reasons of catastrophes or for maybe a catastrophe they're creating themselves— to survive. And then those are the ones that survive. So let's say, for instance, we have a horrible catastrophe now. Well, all the assholes, the elites, the, if you want to say billionaires, the people in charge, those people all go underground because they can afford to, because that's who they're selecting to survive. We all get wiped out by whatever, then they emerge out of these things. So whatever then would be started after the catastrophe would be this totalitarian wet dream, right? It would be one where you suppress technology ideas and because those are the people that want to maintain and control. And I'm fascinated by the idea that it's possible that this has happened several times in history. Maybe there's been a catastrophe, which was a contingency plan was implemented for the survival of only the rich and powerful. Then the catastrophe happens. It rewipes the face of the earth for civilization and a restart occurs, but a restart under this nefarious idea to control everybody. And then it's implemented. And then, you know, this... Uh, institutions are still there so they can be facilitated for the next catastrophe and then it starts over and it's just kind of like this never-ending cycle of getting fucked by these people who can afford to survive cataclysms well yeah there's a there's a chance that it's that way there's a chance there was only one major reset as well there's a chance that um um like when they wiped out the ancient culture they they appear to have wiped out the ancient culture over a period of, of possibly even a thousand years or so and then what would have remained would have been um, what we know as Tartaria. And then that was wiped out about 100 years ago. That was kind of the last bastion of freedom. Um, the world was invaded by parasites. Where they came from, is it's a good question. But there was the last bastion, which was Tartaria. When they managed to wipe out Tartaria, it would appear that the, the, um, the survivors of Tartaria probably fled to Japan, which is why Japan had their borders closed for so long. And they set up the samurai class in Japan to try to preserve their old knowledge, which is why the West went in there to basically wipe out the samurai. And um, the samurai still had Tartarian knowledge, it would appear. And whether this has been done multiple times, it's a good question. I mean, we don't know. But something happened. The Earth was somehow invaded by by what it was. I mean, the Vedas will tell you that the Earth was uh, overrun by parasites who resemble human kings, which was an interesting concept. The whole concept of, of this authoritarian um, system that we've got, where we, we've got these leaders where we don't really need them, you know. All the leaders do is fight with each other and kill us in the process, you know. Um, all we need leaders for is to protect us from the other leaders, you know. <laughs> so we don't need these people at all. They're just a bunch of gangsters anyway. It's all organized crime, you know. Well, yeah, it's it, it's a crime gang, yeah, uh, masquerading. I often call it a multinational, multigenerational criminal cabal masquerading as a system of, of governments and nations. Yes, I and love they all that. Work together. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And um, (laughs) they keep us in check by making us think that we actually need them to protect us when when we don't. All we need them for, governments for, is to protect us from the other governments. So get rid of the governments, it wouldn't be any problem. We go back to free energy and just doing what we want to do, you know, eating grapes and, and, you know, having a great time, you know. That's the goal. So. I'm I'm a big fan of your idea and your activism. We're we're gonna have to cap it here in just a little bit. I could talk to you for hours, man. So we'll definitely do this again in the future if if you'll have me back on or have absolutely, back absolutely, on. yeah. Uh, it's gone quick, hasn't it? It has, man. We these fly by when they're this interesting, dude. I've just got a, th- and the only reason I've got to cut it short, I've got a thing after this for another show that I do. So, uh, what I what I wanted to ask though is because we we did line out the um the 
a likely uh, possibility for what's going on right now with our world and, and the doom and gloom aspect of it. Uh, we've definitely touched on the mud flood, which I hope, and I knew that this was going to happen. I knew we wouldn't get a lot into it, but you did a wonderful wonderful breakdown on it for people to go and research it and to look up your work in particular because you've done some fantastic work and the mud flood in this part of history is just a small percentage of all the amazing stuff you do so like i said i'll link everything and all the ways to find you in the show notes but back to uh what we've got what we're facing right now so what what is a solution what can we do let's end this on a on an inspiring note for those that wish to contribute to the to benefit what's going on right now well, we've got to stop complying with our own slavery, brother. We've got to rise up as a human species and realize that the, the governments are people we employ to manage things for us. We don't actually have to do what they say. And what they're doing now, they're, they're all in abuse of the office that they hold. They've all abdicated their right to any privilege of any authority because it's a very privileged position. Being a politician is a privileged position. They're put into a position of trust. They're all in abuse of that trust. We've got to stand up as a species and we've got to reclaim our world and just say, no, enough is enough. We're not going to do this. You know, we're not going to allow you to destroy our society under the pretext of protecting us from a pandemic that you've never identified. I mean, it's such a fraud. So, I mean, human race has got to get off their knees, brother. They've got to get off their knees and they've got to push back and stand up and say no collectively and support anybody that you see doing that. I mean, now's the time where you've got to pick a side and you've got to become active. And if you're not active in pushing back against this, then you're part of the problem. So it's a really, really significant time in human history. One of the most important times in human history, probably as important as when Tartaria was lost. This is the final game. This is the final nail in the coffin. If we if we allow them to do this, then humanity will be lost. So yeah, get up off your knees. We've we've got to we've got to push back. Realize that we're human beings, and all we're dealing with is human beings. And you don't actually have to do what you're told. You can ask questions, and you can rally the people around you, and you can just say no. And that's what needs to happen, brother. Yeah, it does. If it's a video game, it feels like the boss level, right? It's your final boss level before you beat the game or before the fate of everything is decided. That is what it feels like right now, and I completely agree with you. So, uh, Max, just tell the folks out here where we can find you, and then um, we'll we'll bid you adieu. Uh, thecrowhouse.com. You'll find everything about me on thecrowhouse.com. It's an old HTML website, folks. doesn't display well on your mobile phone, which is a good thing. Maybe that will encourage you to throw your mobile phone away because the mobile phone is the new world order. I've been warning people about these things for years. But yeah, thecrowhouse.com, you'll find me there. I mean, I'm, I'm kicked off most places. I'm kicked off Facebook and YouTube and Spotify and iTunes and just about everywhere. But uh, you'll find links to my stuff on thecrowhouse.com. And thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah, we'll do it again. Definitely. All right. Well, I'll throw that in there. Max, thanks so much for your time, man. I really do appreciate you. My pleasure, brother. Incredibly cool guy. Incredible information. Max Egan, he's he's the best, guys. Uh, Check out the description below, too. Find him if you want to keep up with the stuff that he does. All the stuff he puts out, like he was talking about. I mean, it's free. I mean, just go go check it out, man. The the guy's incredible. So uh, this show, uh, you can find at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the links to all of them socials will be. The YouTube version of this will be up on YouTube. Of course, they get released simultaneously. So if you're like, hey, where's you? It's, It's up there. If you're listening to this right now, it's up there. Go check it out. Uh, there's a whole video element to this. Uh, also on the website is Patreon. And like I said, all the socials. So you guys go click down there. You know how to find it. Uh, go out into your week this week, guys. Take a look around. There might be some half buildings covered up where you're at. Uh, you can even maybe look into some historical archives if you're in kind of a cool city or just any damn city. And uh, take a look and see if there's uh, some cool, interesting stories like that out there. I I find the topic fascinating, and I love it, and Max is the expert on it. Um, So uh, pick up a piece of litter, get out of the left-hand lane, buy somebody coffee or a meal, just make somebody's day, guys. I know you're capable of doing that. I believe in all of you. Uh, As well as just y'all just be good to one another. That's it. That's the whole, just just go be good to one another, man. Uh, Thank y'all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.